Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Fatman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 what's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. And I'm your host, as always, Darren Fatman McDuffie, here to bring you another exciting show. So, got a super duper show tonight. We have holistic nutritionist Christina Wilson on the show, and she's going to be talking about uh, natural care for diabetes. So, can't wait into, to, to get into that. But before we do, a couple of announcements. You can find me on iTunes. You can go and download the shows through iTunes. Just look for uh, Fat Man Radio. You can also uh, go and connect with me on Twitter at the fat underscore man, and also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash I'm the Fat Man. And please do connect with me on those those uh, mediums because we always give you the uh, the show updates. And if you're connected with me on Facebook, I always put an event before the show uh, shows happen and you can actually uh, join the show or find out about the show rather um, from there. So tonight we're talking about something called diabetes. Many people don't know a lot about diabetes and uh, it's important to understand that because a lot of, a lot, a lot of people, whether you're African American, Caucasian, Hispanic uh, descent, a lot of people are being diagnosed by, uh, with diabetes, and a lot of people have no idea why they're being diagnosed. So pay attention to the show tonight. Take out a pad. Take some notes. And if you're interested in calling in and asking a question, the number is 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. And if you are coming to the queue, just hit 1 on your switchboard. And I'll see you have a question, and I'll bring you on to ask a question from Christina. So let's bring Christina Wilson on the show so we can start talking about diabetes. Christina, are you there? Yes, I am. Good. Welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good. Thanks for being a guest. So let's get right into it, Christina. Uh, Tell us how you got in this wacky, wild world of nutrition. What was your journey? Oh, my journey started about 11 years ago. Um, I was coming out of my martial art class, and I ran into a free cholesterol screening. And I literally said, I'm going to show myself how good I am. I was young, I was cocky, and you know all that, and my number came back as 333. And for people who aren't familiar with cholesterol, that's, double the healthy limits, and you're coming close now to what's normally considered the fatal limits. So I was in complete shock. The diet that the dietitians wanted to give me was exactly what I was doing. Whole grains, very low meat, low fats, and it was killing me. So I tried to figure out what's going on, why isn't this working, and I was a chemist at the time, so very scientifically based, so I did what I love to do. I dove into my research, and I discovered fats aren't bad. We need fats. We need protein. Some body types need red meat, and grains 
can be a killer for people. Mm-hmm. And they were for me. So I changed my diet. And as I was learning things, I said, hey, this is really cool. So I went back and got my master's degree in holistic nutrition, and I continued on to become a naturopathic doctor. And I got my cholesterol down to 187. I lost 60 pounds. Well, probably more because I stopped looking at the scale when I hit 200. And I had to share. So I opened my business, Crystal Holistic Health, in order to teach people how to get their numbers under control. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love is I'm helping people heal themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, things coming out now about um, cholesterol actually being healthy, and it's not so uh, Mm -hmm. a big deal to have, you know, really, really low cholesterol, but it's different for everybody. So I can can definitely identify with that. So you're sharing that Mm -hmm. message with the world now, actually teaching people how to be healthy, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly it. So let's talk a little bit about, and this is a, a, your field of expertise, of, uh, really working with people who are diabetic. Can you kind of mm-hmm. explain what actually goes on with someone who is diabetic, the, the, the insulin, the pancreas, uh, insulin resistance? Can you kind of explain that to us? Sure. Um, well, first, there's basically two types of diabetes. One is type 1 diabetes, which was commonly known as juvenile onset diabetes, and that is an autoimmune condition where a person's own immune system destroys the pancreas and the body no longer has the ability to produce insulin. It usually happens to children somewhere between the ages of 5 and 15, and it's a lifelong condition. There's no reversing it. These people require insulin to live. Now, the other type of diabetes, which, is, which has way outpaced type 1 diabetes and is pretty much one of the biggest problems in our society today, is type 2 diabetes, which is commonly called adult-onset diabetes. This is a lifestyle problem. This is where people have eaten too much sugar over too long a period and the pancreas has just worked so hard for so long without a break, it's just breaking down and wearing out. The body, the body is shutting itself down to stop poisoning itself with sugars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with that, um, the sugar intake, <clears throat> what's causing mm-hmm. us to have an, an overload of sugar in our culture right now? Culturally, that's, a big question. Uh, the onset of a lot of processed foods, the open availability to sugars, the way we've become reliant on sweets and candies as staples in our diet rather than just an occasional treat. Um, there, are, uh, there are a lot of families, and it's typical in the standard American diet, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner to contain lots of sugar in the meal, and then have a sugary dessert, be it candy, cakes, or donuts, right after. And that's not healthy. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that stuff is being caused by what what I, I tend to deem as dense carbohydrates as well, like the, mm. you know, everything with us is kind of in, intertwined in bread and cookies and all of this other stuff, and it's always yeah. but sugar, sugar and fat. Is that a mm-hmm. correct assumption? Yep. Yeah. So a lot of sugars. 
Yeah, yeah. So what are some ways that we can kind of reduce our sugar intake? Well, the first thing that I recommend for just all my clients and anybody who's looking to get healthy is to move back to a natural diet. Cut out the processed food. Basically, if it comes in a bag or a box, mm-hmm. put it back. It's not healthy. Now, um, is there anything other in there? Like with, di- with, with diabetics, I know, are they allowed to actually have sugar or not? Yes. One of our body's processes is to take sugars, uh, scientifically known as carbohydrates, into our bodies in order to produce energy. Mm-hmm. It's very rare to not use carbohydrates as an energy source. So a typical person can eat about 60 to 100 grams of carbohydrates a day, which turns out to be somewhere around a half a cup to a third of a cup of sugars in a day. But that includes all foods. That includes potato with breakfast. That includes the slice of bread at lunch and so on. So, yes, diabetics can and should have some, some sugars, but they have to be coming from the correct sources. Mm-hmm. Now, um, with, with grains, I know you mentioned grains at the beginning of the, uh, the podcast mm-hmm. here. Um, what's your take on grains? I heard a lot of different things on grains. I had a, a guest on here, uh, which, you know, he said that especially a lot of the, um, with the diabetics, grains tend to raise the blood sugar or raise the insulin levels in diabetics. So what's your take on grains? Mm-hmm. Grains are usually very high in carbohydrates. They can take up a person's whole day of carbohydrates before they eat anything else, which isn't very healthy. A typical slice of bread is anywhere from 15 to 20 grams of carbohydrates, and a slice of bread really doesn't fill you up a whole lot. Now, each individual grain has different carb counts. Typically, plain wheat bread, which is a typical white bread or whole wheat, is much higher in carbohydrates than some of the the more unusual grains, like the spelts, which is a sprouted wheat, going into the quinoa and amaranth, the barleys and rye. And it also depends on what you're going to put on the bread or what you're eating with the bread, as it's how it'll affect your sugars. Yeah, and what would be a good diet for someone who is diabetic? What would be an uh, optimal uh, best case scenario if I'm diabetic? What would you do in working with me to get my nutrition under wraps, so to speak? That's a big question. Um, My specialty is metabolic typing, so I figure out what a person's metabolism is doing to help them figure out what foods are best for them. For some diabetics, absolutely no grains and sticking to A pure diet of fruits, vegetables, and whole cuts of meat is best. But for other people, they need a more vegetarian-type diet and can include some grains. But the basis of all healthy diets starts off with fruits and vegetables, and your diet really should be two-thirds to three-quarters fruits and vegetables. Yeah, um, with that, have you found that in different... um Different people react a different way, and I guess you say everybody has an individual diet, but I know mm-hmm. um, with, like, let's say with someone like myself who is African-American, have you found out with that they're more 
have it more propensity to a more a protein type diet or is just like everybody's different no matter based on their ethnicity? There is some bias with ethnicity. Um, typically, African Americans tend to need a little bit more proteins, a little bit more meats in their diets, but that can also be regional. Um, as you go closer to a Middle Eastern, the Middle Eastern section of Africa, then you start transitioning over into uh, a little bit slower metabolism, and you need to include more beans and grains. Um, moving up into Europe, Europe tends to be very heavy on the, on very light grains, um, some of the semolina wheats, quinoas, um, amaranth, that sort of thing. But really far north in Europe, you switch back over to a heavy meat-based diet. Uh, moving over into Asia, with the Asian population, they tend to be more reliant on fish and vegetables rather than beefs and chickens. So it really depends where you're, where you're from, but where you were born. If you were born in America, you typically have an American-style diet, and that affected your metabolism. So it, it really varies with the person. Right. Are most of the people that you uh, work with, are they – I guess, and this can this can happen because I didn't even know this. I remember someone said that uh, Holly Berry, which is she's very very famous, she's diabetic. But are mo mm -hmm. do you tend to see diabetics who tend not to have a weight problem, or do you see more diabetics that tend that that do have that weight problem? Me personally, there's a lot of diabetics that have weight problems, and that's who I like to focus on when I help people, but. About 30% of all type 2 diabetics do not have a weight problem, and a large portion of them are athletes. It's what the body has been doing. Have you been taking too much sugar in? Has your pancreas been working too hard for too long, even if you're not retaining weight? Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the things that, that can affect? Because um, I know uh, one of the big conditions that people have to watch out for in diabetics, and I, I know because I used to be in pharma and I would sell a product for this, is like neuropathy. And people don't, I guess people really don't know how their lives, their lives are going to change when they come down with the diagnosis of diabetes. Can you kind of take us through that of how you, you know, you work with clients, but where have you seen their lives have had the biggest changes? Um, usually I work with people that are already severely into the diabetes. They're on medications. Most of them are on insulin. So that's what I work with. But diabetes tends to start 20, 25 years before an official diagnosis. So is that something you'd like me to cover about what those steps are? Yeah, yeah, please, please do. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, we can start pretty much from our childhood levels. Were we given a lot of candies and cakes as kids? Well, you know what happens when you give a two-year-old a pixie stick? They start running around like crazy, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden they just drop and fall asleep. And that's very typical. They got a big sugar rush. Their pancreas produced a lot of insulin, which, which caused their body to produce a lot of energy, hence the running around. 
But as soon as all the sugar was used up, they got really tired and they fell right asleep. Well, as adults, we don't have the chance to run around, so all that energy kind of gets pent up. And if we're not using the energy, well, then the extra sugars and all that extra energy gets put away into our fat cells. And that's not very healthy. Now, day after day after day of eating too much sugar, we start to see the pancreas just starts getting worn out. It's not producing as much insulin. It's just tired. And, and you know when you push your body too hard, you get tired and your body breaks down and says, no, we're taking the day off, and if I have to be sick, I'm going to be sick. And unfortunately, your pancreas doesn't have that option. So it keeps working harder and harder and harder. Eventually, it's not producing enough insulin. So once there's not enough insulin, your blood sugars start to go up. This is what your doctor first tests for when he takes your blood work. He looks, what is your fasting blood glucose? Is it too high? If it's too high, that means your pancreas isn't producing enough insulin. But he also looks at uh, your weight what your triglycerides are doing, which is another form of sugar. As those go up, he starts to see, hmm, high triglycerides. That means the sugar isn't moving into your cells. You see, our cells will shut down our receptors for sugar, and it just won't take anything in. Basically, the cells, the cells of our body shut the door so they don't poison themselves with too much sugar. This is called insulin resistance. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah there, there are two facets of, of diabetes. And it just, it's what happens to the body. It's actually a very normal reaction. It's something the body is designed to do to save itself. It's, it's our survival mechanism. So with type 2 diabetes, um, is there, can we... Can you reverse that? Can you just bring the pancreas back in order? Can it be reversed? I don't want to use the C word because the FDA will probably be all over me, but um, is there a way that we can reduce that and get it back? Absolutely. Get the pancreas back in order? Okay. Can, yes. you, can you explain that? How, how would we go about doing that? It takes time. You have, if your pancreas is working too hard and is wearing out, but it's still functioning, then if you give your pancreas a rest, you bring your carbohydrates way down and keep them steady and low, your pancreas doesn't work as hard and it can start to rebuild. Our whole body replaces itself about every seven to 10 years. So you can have a whole new pancreas in that time if you're not causing extra damage to it. Mm -hmm. So now you just, we can, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, we can rebuild everything. We can reopen the receptors, the doorways on ourselves to accepting more sugar. But it takes time and it takes consistency. Yeah. Um, with that being said, um, working with people and knowing that this can be reversed, what's the most miraculous uh, I guess, recovery that you've seen where someone has just really been really far gone and you've kind of gotten their diet under control and work with them with nutrition and then you, you find that they have made a, a really good recovery? 
I've worked with people, and I had one gentleman who was on insulin. He was taking nearly 100 units of insulin a day. And within six months, we had that cut in half. Another six months, he was off of the insulin. Uh, About a year after that, he was off of his last diabetes medication, and he's been holding steady with, with low blood glucose, normal blood readings for his sugar levels, consistently now. So in essence, he pretty much reversed insulin use. His pancreas was failing. He had insulin resistance. He basically turned his whole life around because he was dedicated enough to follow the diet and be consistent. I, I, his doctors pretty much said he's cured. So if the doctors say it, then that's oh, a pretty good use- thing. Yeah, don't use that word. <laughs> that's a bad word. But, yeah, you can say that. Now, you mentioned uh, just before, and I kind of lost my train of thought. I wanted to come back to it. Oh. You mentioned carb, keeping carbs low, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on about a low carb. Give an example because I, I, people tend to not understand carbs and, and low carb. But, I mean, even when I was in college and played basketball, they always told us to load up on carbs and do high carbs so you would have more energy. Can you talk mm-hmm. about the, 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 um, the importance of low-carb and what ac- low-carb actually means? And for me doing a lot of research and, and everything that I read, I'm finding that low-carb is kind of the way to go. Yeah, we're talking low-carb, not no-carbohydrate. Uh, for somebody who's an athlete like you, you said you were doing basketball in college and you were active Low carb for you would mean somewhere between like 100 and 130 carbohydrate, grams of carbohydrates a day. But for most people, they have more sedentary jobs, they work behind a computer all day, or they're not very active in their jobs. Low carb means closer to 60 grams of carbohydrates a day. Uh, some of the, the big diets out there, like the Atkins diet, um, act, uh They recommend going as low as 15 grams of carbs a day, but that's way too restrictive for most people, and if it's followed too long, can cause problems. So there's a wide range depending on what your life is. But if if you're typical of Americans, 60 grams of carbohydrates a day is considered low carb for you and very sustainable. Meaning, give me an example of like a um, a low carb day for someone. Okay, um, I typically follow a, a generally low carb diet, and what I do is I start off with an egg in the morning, and I'll scramble up some uh, potatoes, uh, a little, a couple little slices of potatoes, toss in some pepper, some onions, mushrooms, a zucchini, and make an omelet, and. That'll, that'll run about 10 carbohydrates for my breakfast. I don't drink soda. I don't drink juices, so I don't have any carbs from those. I'll, I've been having salads for lunch since we finally have a beautiful summer and beautiful vegetables here in Pennsylvania. So tossing in the lettuces, a little bit of tomato, green onions, bean sprouts, my salad is another 10 to 15 grams of carbs. 
So right there is 25 grams of carbs, and I've already had two nice meals. Mm-hmm. Come, come dinner time, I'll have a little bit of meat. I'll have a hamburger. I will have a piece of chicken. But those are only about four to six ounces a piece. So we're not talking big portions of meat. And then I'll pile up on the vegetables. Um, the other night I, I took sliced zucchini and put a little bit of Parmesan cheese and grilled them. came out fabulous and very tasty. I sautéed together some, some uh, pea pods with some mushrooms. came out fabulous. Other things people can do, do a little bit of carrots. Uh, mix that in with some almonds. And you're now having a nice, healthy, larger dinner. And there's a lot of low-carb desserts out there. Little things like meringues, meringue cookies, um, some peanut, natural peanut butter treats without the added sugars. Peanut butter is a low-carb meal. We have to take a look at the back. A lot of the commercial brands add sugars. So right, I typically say- have a dessert Go ahead. I was just saying, you just said natural. That's the key word. A lot of people don't know that that uh, Gift and Skippy and all these other things aren't natural. The natural one is the one with all the oil in it. Is that correct? Yes. If your mm-hmm. peanut butter separates, it's a lot healthier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at the package. That. You have to look at the package. What's the first ingredient? It should be peanuts. But I've seen some commercial brands, their first ingredient is sugar. Yeah. Uh, a peanut peanut butter really should only have peanuts and maybe a little salt. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about uh, sugar, I, there was something I wanted to mention with like just uh, things that diabetics can use when it comes to sweeteners. I know um, mm-hmm. I've heard mentioned that uh, stevia is a good one. Have you worked with anyone mm-hmm. that you allow them to use stevia? Um, there's another one out there called Yacon or Yacon syrup. Are those, have you worked with anybody with using these types of sweeteners that are, are quote unquote not supposed to raise blood sugar? Yes. Um, there are a lot of them out there and it depends on what you want to, what you want to do with them. Uh, right now, pure stevia is the only uh, uh, sweetener alternative on the market that will not raise sugars and is not overly processed by, by people or contains a lot of pesticides. Everything else on the market is pretty much overly processed and about the equivalent of a junk food. Um, you, yeah. People totally want to avoid things like aspartame, which breaks down into formaldehyde in our body, uh, saccharin, which has decades of studies showing it's linked to bladder cancer. The sucralosis, um, popularly known under the brand name of Splenda, they destroy the hepatocytes in the liver, which we kind of need to process medications if we need them and to detox our bodies. Um, But people want to be really careful with stevia as well. Anyone who has a potassium problem or high blood pressure should not be using stevia because it causes potassium retention. And 
that can cause pain and liver problems and urinary problems. It, it can get bad. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's the first time I heard that. What about honey, like raw honey? Can they use that in minimal amounts? Or I know honey has that. It can raise blood sugar, but is raw honey safe in mm-hmm. uh, small amounts? Yes, and raw honey is the key. Most of the honey in the grocery stores is processed and legally can't be called honey because honey is supposed to have the pollen and the sediment in it. It's supposed to be a little cloudy, not crystal clear. Um, Pure raw honey tastes fabulous, and you only need a tiny amount to get the sweetness. So I do recommend that for diabetics who want a little bit of sweetness, but you have to count that into your carbs. It also has great medicinal value, is antibiotic, and it just does so many good things for the body. So if you're going to go with a sweetener, honey is pretty much what I do recommend. Okay, okay. Um, Going back to just um, genetics and how big Mm -hmm. uh, things play a a part of, let's say you have two, two different people and... One person has been kind of lean all their lives, and then as they've gotten up in age, they kind of gain weight. And then the other person has been pretty much overweight their whole life. They've always battled their weight. Um, Would the person who has battled their whole weight their whole life be more suited to get diabetes, or or is it equally the same, I guess, is what I'm asking? Both have the equal amount of risk. It would depend on what the diet normally is. I mean, you pretty much described me when you said continuously overweight all their life. Um, Up until I lost the weight, I was overweight all my life. I will always face the risk that if I don't eat well, my cholesterol will come back. I'm at a good chance of diabetes. But still, even someone who's skinny all their life can have a high risk. It just depends on what the diet has been for so long. I had a friend that he was really young, like 20-something years old, and he actually almost ended up going into a a diabetic coma. And um, what are some of the signs for for people? Because I know a lot of times, I mean, I don't want this to sound like a pharmaceutical commercial where if you've done this, done this, or seen this, then you need to see a doctor. But what are some Mm -hmm. of the the warning signs to let you know if – you might need to go and have yourself uh, checked to see if you are a uh, diabetic. Well, some of the strong warning signs would be you start feeling a sugar rush, followed by the, by the sugar low where you feel dizzy and shaky. Um, you're starved for food, even though you know you just ate. Um, if you, have, if you start having trouble with your vision or your feet start feeling funny, that sort of things are big warning signs. But some of the smaller warning signs that set in much earlier are things like food cravings. Do you crave sugary foods? Do you crave sweets? Um, how often are you using the bathroom? If you're using it often, that can be another warning sign of diabetes, even though that can be a warning sign of a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, how thirsty are you? While a healthy thirst is good, if you eat something and are suddenly thirsty, that can be a warning sign. 
Okay. Did you want to say something else? Nope. I'm good. Thanks. Oh, okay. All right. So let's get into this. And this is, this is kind of intrigued me. You sent me some information over on this and it's about uh, diabetes and kidney stones. And one of mm-hmm. the things I, I wanted to talk about is I had a coworker, uh, someone I used to um, work with and she kidney stones, but she was never diagnosed as a, a diabetic, although she was, you know, she was overweight. But I'm wondering if diabetes, diabetes can get kidney stones, but it's kidney stones in someone who's overweight a sign that they might be diabetic is what I guess I'm asking. It can be. It's not a guarantee, but there's a good chance. Um, Some of the things that people really go through with diabetes and the kidney stones is that um, people with kidney stones tend to eat a lot of processed foods, and processed foods tend to have a lot of sugar. It's not a direct correlation, but it does happen. Um, one of the other big things with, with kidney stones and diabetes is both conditions are also very deficient in magnesium. Mm-hmm. And does the, worse, the worse your deficiency in magnesium, the harder the pancreas has to work. So it's not a one-to-one relationship, but... We find a lot of the same conditions for diabetes as we do with kidney stones. If you are getting kidney stones, you definitely want to be checked out for diabetes and anything else that could be causing it. But one does not cause the other. My coworker, she used to drink a heck of a lot of sodas. Every time I saw her, she had a soda in her hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the things. Uh, What are some of the other things that can kind of bring on those kidney stones? Uh, like I said, a processed food diet, a lot of a lot of sugars. Um, if you're not drinking enough water, dehydration is a big risk factor for kidney stones, and it's also it's also very damaging for diabetes and especially having high blood pressure. The more water you drink, the more you use the bathroom, and the more every, all your waste products get flushed out before they can sit around and have the chance to form stones. Um, a diet that lacks vegetables, that doesn't have the healthy nutrients, will produce a lot of uh, a chemical known as oxalates, the very natural waste product of the body that's usually flushed out of the liver. When we eat a diet rich in vegetables, we're getting a lot of water and we're getting a lot of nutrients, so our body can easily flush them out. But when we're not, when we're eating a diet that's rich in processed foods, we're getting a lot of oxalates in our diet, and that can contribute to forming stones. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned soda because the phosphoric acid that's, that gives the soda its bite and is found in just about every soda out there is one of the one of the steps in forming oxalate in our body. So the more soda you drink, the higher the oxalates, the higher the chance of kidney stones. Yeah, and they're particular prone in um, for people who are diabetics. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. No, yep. no. You you mentioned a role of magnesium. Um, mm-hmm. How many? And you you know you work with clients. How many people that you are seeing that are are really deficient in magnesium? 
just about everybody. Um, a lot of the nutritional agencies in the U.S. estimate between 70 and 90 percent of the U.S. population is deficient in magnesium. And that just comes because we're not eating a lot of fruits and vegetables as a society. Um, like iron binds hemoglobin for our blood, magnesium binds chlorophyll for plants. So the more plants you're eating, the more greens, the mm-hmm. healthier the healthier you're going to be and the more magnesium you get. Yeah. Now, with um, magnesium, you mentioned that uh, deficiency in magnesium can uh, the body to remove waste from the body. Um, mm-hmm. And you also mentioned uh, citric acid. Can you kind of discuss, we, we just talked about magnesium, but discuss more about citric acid and how you can build your citric acid levels. Yes. Yeah. Citric acid is one of those really neat, uh, neat chemicals for the body because it's, it's one of the basis of, of vitamin C and a lot of antioxidants. Uh, citrus, citric acid is found in anything citrus. It's found uh, in a lot of herbs and spices. Um, parsley actually has the highest amount of vitamin C, the highest amount of acids, of all the plants we could possibly eat. The problem is, is we don't go around and eating a lot of parsley. Um, so citric acid uh, is found in lemon juice. It's found in things like apple cider vinegar. I've actually had really great success with helping people with digestive problems by having them drink a little bit of apple cider vinegar in water in the morning. And it really just helps normalize everything, get the metabolism going, and helping people relax. Hmm. Yeah, I love some ACV. I'm an ACV person. I like to have that. That's yeah. the only thing that I actually use. But um, I remember when I first uh, heard about it, I tried to drink it without diluting it with anything. <laughs> it so much, uh, that's it is, so, yeah, it's very acidic when you first uh, mm-hmm. you try to do it that way. But since then, I've kind of, every now and then, I'll put a spoon and just chug it like that. But most of the time, I put it in water and uh, yeah, like that. Now, I generally mean, recommend, oh, I was going to say, I recommend people start with a quarter teaspoon of apple cider vinegar in about eight ounces of water. Mm-hmm. That's usually palatable for people, and then they can work their way up from there. And that's in the morning, you said, correct? Yes. Most people typically take it in the morning because it jump starts everything in the body. Is there any particular brand that you recommend? If you can find somebody's homemade apple cider vinegar, that's the best. Otherwise, you want to look for for a raw apple cider vinegar. Typically, they'll have the the mother vinegar, which is a a gray gray film-like thing on top, which is what's producing the vinegar. It's just a layer of bacteria and yeast that's very healthy for us. Um, there's brands out there. There's a couple different brands. Bragg's yep, is typically the, the it's typically the most well known, and it actually says on the bottle contains the mother of vinegar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the stuff that's been pasteurized is not. It's lost most of its healthy properties. Right. Right. Um, is there anything else that? Uh, 
you would recommend for a person's diet? Any other supplements that they should be taking if they are diabetic? Like uh, there's been a big uh, hullabaloo over fish oil. Um, is there any other thing that you might work with a client with in, in really uh, changing their diet and adding adding a supplement? That really gets to gets to work with the individual person because what will work good for someone won't work well for another. Um, I've recommended things, um, uh, having worked with herbalists, using some dandelion root. That has helped some people but not others. Um, cinnamon has been very popular, but some people find it works. Some find it doesn't work. Uh, same thing with turmeric and uh, cayenne. Some people say it works. Some, some find it doesn't work at all. So it comes down to what is going to work with your body based on what your metabolism is doing. Yeah. Now, uh, someone asked me to ask this uh, question here about type 1 diabetes, actually care for that. Is that something, I know type 2 is reversible. Type 1 is more of a genetic thing, more autoimmune. But is type 1 something that's reversible? And if not, how do we get that under control and have care for that? No, as of right now, type 1 diabetes is not reversible, although there is a drug in clinical trials that has been showing some promise of re-stimulating the pancreas to start producing insulin again. If it works, I don't think we'll see it on the market for probably another 10 years. Um, But right now, it is not reversible. But a lot of the same principles apply. You want a low, steady intake of carbohydrates to keep your body even and consistent. That way you're not shocking your body by having too much or not enough sugars. Yeah, so what are your best tips for people out there that might be diabetic and they want um, natural care and they want to start weaning themselves off of insulin? Let's just go with regards to, I guess, the the biggest ones out there, exercise. Um, For someone who's, most people, they've either uh, exercised when they were young, they've gotten older, they're not exercising anymore. How can they start to exercise again? What would be the best thing to start off with? This is a big one for you. A lot of the people I work with, just getting them up out of their chairs and walking around is an accomplishment. Um, I generally... Uh, pass on my clients to exercise therapists and people who are really experienced like you are in order to get them into a regular, uh, more high-impact routine. But if people just want to start off on their own, go for a walk. Go for a walk every day and start building up from there. Yeah, people forget about walking. But then some people, they Mm -hmm. they walk and they, they, they keep walking. They don't add anything additional to it. But... I guess that's okay, too. What about diet? So, for instance, me, uh, I, well, I won't use myself because I kind of, I don't do a lot of that stuff anymore, but I used to be yeah, a big, Yeah, you like, look fabulous. Yeah, a little a Gatorade drinker or something like that, and I used to be big on that, and I noticed that, and when I started studying a lot about nutrition, I noticed that a lot of the things that I was drinking had high fructose corn syrup in it. So, yeah. what... I, Give us some tips on how to start eliminating these things from our diet, like maybe moving more towards water, getting less off the, you know, getting off the sodas, because I know that was a big, big one for me, and I finally 
mm-hmm. lick that one. But what are some of the things you do to get clients to start, you know, paying attention to these things and eliminating them from their diets? Yeah, I mean, we could tell people up and down what to do, what to drink, what to eat, but I find when people educate themselves and they start taking control and responsibility for what they eat, they do a lot better. Start reading your nutritional labels. On fruits and vegetables, they don't put nutritional labels because when you pick up an apple, it's an apple. There's nothing added to it. But when you pick up a box of cereal or a a container of ice cream and you read the ingredients, do you know what all of those ingredients are? Do you, can you purchase each of those individual ingredients yourself and make this? And a lot of people find they can't. Um, I had one client. She was a chemist at a big, big chemical manufacturing company. Worked with her to lose weight. And I told her, go take your manual with you that has all the chemicals in it and start looking at the food you purchased. And she did. She took that to heart. And she called me not a couple hours later crying because all of her food contained chemicals that were so overly toxic that the warning labels that came with these chemicals pretty much said nobody should be eating them, nobody should be inhaling them, that some of them were so toxic that you needed a special permit just to be in possession of the chemicals. And she was just so distraught because she didn't realize that these foods were so bad. Yeah. Um, We had a call in the switchboard, but I don't know if they have a question. If you have a question, call it from the 954. Just hit your one on your switchboard, and I will bring you on to um, ask a question for Christina. So I don't know if they have a question or not because they didn't hit the one on the switchboard. So. Um, hold on, Christina. Let's see. Okay. Hey, caller from the nine five four. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, Darren. It's Dana. How are you? I'm doing great, Dana. I saw. I've just checked my phone and saw that you were in Facebook and you had a question. I didn't know if you hit one or not. But go ahead and ask your question for Christina. Okay, great. Hi, Christina. How are you? Hi, hi, Dana. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. All right, my question is for people with diabetes who also suffer from gastroparesis, what, mm-hmm. do you have anything in specific that you would advise to them? Because I know that when it comes to anything, I know with, with roughage, I know that their diet is definitely a little bit more challenged. So and I, I know somebody who suffers from that, and I, I'd love to try to give her a couple of tips. Do you have anything in specific that you could talk about? Okay. Um, from what I know of gastroparesis, it's pretty much your stomach's not working properly. You're not properly digesting food before it goes into your intestine. Um, a lot of a lot of work can be done in your mouth by chewing, chewing your food exceptionally well, so your stomach doesn't have to work so hard. Things like the apple cider vinegar to help stimulate stomach acid to help your stomach start working better. And uh, for some people who suffer from this, just switching over to a more natural diet, removing a lot of the toxins, getting your body used to natural foods is a big help. Um, One of the big things for people who have digestive problems is they start 
transitioning over into things like breads and grains and pastas because they feel like it can break down quicker and their stomach's not working so hard. But the downside of that is very high in pesticides and the glutens impair the ability of the digestive system to work properly. So, yes, digest quickly, but you're harming yourself. Moving over to a more natural diet will help stimulate your body to heal. Let's start slow. If, if things like lettuces and spinaches are too much for you and you find distress, switch over to something a little easier. Stick to things like zucchini, which breaks down very quickly, tomatoes, if the acid doesn't bother your stomach, but start integrating them into your diet. That way you're increasing things slowly. Okay, and things probably like sweet potato and uh, maybe with coconut oil and pumpkin and stuff like that, maybe butternut squash, those things would be pretty good for her? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people do very well with pumpkin and squashes when they have digestive problems because there's an increased amount of fat. And I know for a lot of a lot of herbalists, they recommend things like yams for digestive problems. It works very well. Real okay, quick, Christina. Um, yeah, Dan, I just had a real. I wanted to see you, Christina. Have you had? I know you mentioned ACV for the, um, the building up the stomach acid. Have you ever had any working with clients with the um, with HCL pills with the hydrochloric acid pills? you recommend those at all? I've never recommended them because the apple cider vinegar is, is much more potent and much uh-huh. more gentle on the stomach. Uh, for people that are using them, you don't want to use both at, both at the same time. That might be too much. Yeah. But talk to your, if you're on the pills, talk to your doctor about switching over to something more natural. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dana. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Um, Just one more very quick question, but I know you Mm -hmm. said, obviously, uh, type 1 diabetes, there is no reversing it, but is it it appropriate to say that through diet, I'm just going to say healthy living, overall healthy living, you know, including the psychological and and the mental and emotional aspects of it, Mm -hmm. do you think that, you think it's realistic to say that you can at least keep the symptoms at bay and keep things from progressing and getting worse. Oh, absolutely. Some of the healthiest people I know are type 1 diabetics. It's knowing what your body needs and matching your food and your diet and your lifestyle to what your body requires. Um, The type 1s that I know that keep everything in control, that they have a low, steady amount of sugars coming in, use very little insulin they exercise normally, and they live a normal, healthy life because they choose the better foods. Okay, and state of mind probably plays a huge part in it, too. I would imagine stress and, and a lot of emotional upset and, and all that stuff probably plays into it also. Yeah, uh, there's a very strong link between diabetes and depression, especially with the intake of sugar. The higher your sugar intake, the higher your chance of depression. And these people are not taking in a lot of sugars. And being in control and being responsible makes, them, makes people feel better. Just I mean, For anybody out there, not just type 1s, if you're in control of your life, you're happier. 
and that, that reduces your stress. Okay. All right. Do you do you happen to work with people that are out of your state? I heard you say you were in Pennsylvania. Do you work with people who are out of state? Yes, I do. Uh, most of my clients are actually out of state at this moment. I have I have a surprisingly large fan base in California that I work with. Okay. All right. I won't take up any more of your time. I thank you so much. Thanks for taking the call, and thank you for answering the questions. Oh, thanks yeah, for calling no in. Yeah, thanks for calling in, right. Diana. All, All right. right. Take care. Bye. All right. Good night. All right. Well, I had um, just one more question for you, and that would be mm-hmm. um, what are your best tips for someone who's uh, diabetic uh, with regards to reversing. We talked about exercise, nutrition. Uh I guess you covered it all, but (laughs) let's just run through it real, real quick again as far as the best practices for reversing diabetes and and getting your weight under control. Yeah, the big two things is moving your diet to a natural foods diet, getting away from the processed foods, and incorporating exercise to burn those sugars. Mm-hmm. It all boils down to that. Yeah, and that's that's just plain and simple. I guess that's just a, the thing for real life. Everybody needs to do that, getting back to eating natural foods and, and getting back to exercise. Christina, and I think I, I said Christina Wilson. I don't know why I said that, but your last name is Major, <laughs> correct? I don't know yes. why I said that. But um, so it, it is it is Christina Major and not Christina Wilson. I, don't, I must have had a brain fart there. But um, how what what is your website for the my website? Sure, my website is crystalholistichealth.com, and I have several free gifts on my website. You can go to crystalholistichealth.com/slash/free-gifts and download a couple of audios and a couple of reports right off of my website. And I also have an opportunity for people to get a free session with me. All you have to do is sign up on my website, and we get to know each other and see if I can help you with your diabetes. You should be helping a lot of people because I know a lot of people that are diabetic. But, but Christina, thank you. Uh, Yeah, it's a lot of people, and more and more people are being diagnosed each and every day. But, Mm -hmm. Christina, thank you for being on the show, and I hope people will Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And I hope people will visit your website. And uh, at some point, maybe you'll, you'll come back on and visit us again, okay? Thank you, Darren. You're such a great guy. I appreciate thank- it. All right. Thank you. And let's keep in okay. touch. Keep in touch. Email yeah. and Facebook, okay? All right. All right. Have a good night, Christina. You too. All right, so that's a good show. A lot of tips there for people who are diabetic, especially if you're a type 2 diabetic. And this thing can be reversed. You don't have to live with with insulin your whole life and live with all the conditions or the things that come with diabetes. You just have to take your health into your own hands. Working with someone like Christina is a great help. You can change your diet, and she has some success stories that she shared with us about having people come off of insulin and live a normal life. Your body can regenerate itself. We do not have to accept that whenever we get these conditions or tend to uh, take on a condition or start living a condition or live a diagnosis. You don't have to do that. You can work with someone like Christina and reverse these conditions and live a normal, healthy life. And that's why I get on here and that's why I do the show, to get this information out to you so you don't have to just settle for what, you know, your doctor may tell you that you have to do these things when sometimes it's just a matter of 
getting on a natural food diet and, and reversing what's been going on and doing some exercise as well. So next week we'll have Dr. Mike on. Dr. Mike's last name is actually hard to pronounce, and I'm not going to try it. I'll probably hack it up. But he'll be on and we'll be talking about migraines. A lot of people suffer from migraines, and he has some experience with this. He's an, uh, a chiropractor, and he'll be on next week on uh, on the show, and that's at the same fat time on the same fat channel. If there's someone that you want to hit uh, here on the show or you want me to bring on the show so you can learn more about any type of condition or just someone that you want to hear again, uh, shoot me an email at Darren at fat dash man dot com so that's darren d-a-r-r-e-n at fat dash man dot com and i'll do my best for getting uh that person on the show if you have any questions for me with regards to uh nutrition or anything like that or a guest uh shoot me an email there as well and i can get it to the guest and ask you uh, ask your question for you and get an answer to you as well but again check me out on itunes the show is downloadable on itunes you can also connect with me on all social media, fast, fast, facebook.com slash I'm the fat man on Twitter at Twitter, the fat underscore man, and then you can be updated on the show. So again, thank you for listening to the show and peace and love and see you next time.